Hey there, welcome to Jam with Jen, Empowering Your Pivot. I'm an ex-corporate girl turned chiropractor who is on a mission to help others make their dream a reality. I'll be sharing real stories from people who have made that leap into living a life of success on their terms. Making the leap isn't always sunshine and rainbows, but it's about showing you that you too can have the freedom of life you desire. So let's jump right in. Hey there, thanks again for jumping on and listening in in another episode of Jam with Jen. Today, I am interviewing Carly Bowens. Carly is an executive life and ADHD coach, and she is going to share her journey into becoming a coach because like me, she started out in that corporate world and made that pivot within her life. So she's going to share with us her story, her background, and then at the end, she has a little freebie for us all if we're looking to get that push into the direction that we need to go into. So let's jump right into the episode with Carlene. All right, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast with Jamal Jen. Today, I have Carlene Bowens on. She is a coach helping women become better leaders and more confident in their life. So welcome, Carlene. Hi, thanks for having me, Jen. Yeah, I'm so excited about this one. So we chatted a little bit last week, just in general, um, and I'm so excited to dive deeper into hearing your story. So do you want to share a little bit about yourself with us? Yeah, I'll give you, you know, kind of some of the basic facts here. So I've been officially a coach for seven, oh my gosh, it's been seven years on Valentine's Day. Um, so that's, that's a great milestone. Um, and I started out working with the ADHD population. And um, I originally started, you know, my professional life in the corporate world. So this is something totally different that I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love the pivot that I made. Um, but, you know, through it all, I'm, you know, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I have three beautiful girls who are all pretty much grown. Um, so I've been doing this all along while being a mom and um, having a good time doing it. But um, this business has really changed my life. And my, my goal is that it's changing other people's lives too. So good. What led you down initially down like the EDD um, coaching type? My daughter was diagnosed with ADHD in the fourth grade. So I had spent much of her life having her tested and everything else to figure out, you know, what was going on. And one day her fourth grade teacher called and said, hey, I think your daughter has ADHD. And I'm like, well, I thought that was just like a boy's thing and she's not bouncing off the walls. What are you talking about? So um I took her uh, to be evaluated and sure enough, she was diagnosed with inattentive type ADHD, which I didn't even know was a thing. So the whole process was really eye-opening because I didn't know anything about it. Um, I just thought it was, you know, little boys who were put on Ritalin to calm them down. And it's a serious, it's a serious life-changing condition if you don't know how to manage it. And watching my daughter struggle uh, was heartbreaking and gut wrenching. And when I took her to the doctor and the only thing they gave us was, here's a script for medication. 
have her take some stimulants that will keep her up all night and she won't have an appetite, so she'll look anorexic, right? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, there has to be more than this. There has to be more treatments out there than this. And this was years ago. Um, I mean, she's 24 and in grad school now. She's doing great. She's not on medication. But back then, there wasn't a lot of information about ADHD. So I ventured into taking some classes about ADHD. Um, and the only ones I could find were at the ADD Coaching Academy. <laughs> so I'm at this big academy for, you know, ADHD. And I just like, I just want to help my daughter, right? And that pretty much led into, as I was going through that process, I was talking, you know, to all my mom friends, right? Like you create this whole network of, of mom friends when you're raising kids. And I was sharing what I was learning with them. And before I know it, I kind of became like the community resident ADHD expert. <laughs> and I was going to coffees and lunches and I'm like, this is great, I'm helping people, this feels wonderful. This feels so much better than what I was doing in the corporate world. Um, I feel like I'm you know, making a difference and you know, then it was pointed out to me, yeah, but you're not like actually making any money, right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, yeah, but I don't wanna make money doing this, I just wanna help people. <laughs> So I just turned it into, um, I, I realized that in order to really help people, I had to build a business structure. <clears throat> and with my, <clears throat> excuse me, with my background, I could do that because I, I had a business background. I had a finance background. Uh, but I still really didn't know anything about what it meant to be a business owner, to be an entrepreneur. So yeah, that was a long answer to how did I get into ADHD, but that that's it. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I love it because a lot of times like we go into something because it changed our lives, our family's lives. And we want to do it because we want other people to have that same experience. Um, and we don't think about the finances right away. We just think like, let's just help people. And everybody has to know what we, what we know. So, and I love that you're saying like, you didn't know anything about like entrepreneur because let's be real, like you could probably take a ton of classes, but unless you're like thrown into the deep end, you're really never gonna know. You won't know what those like roller coaster feelings feel like. That is so true, that is so true. Yeah. And all the other feelings that pop up, right? Like the, right. who am I to be doing this? Who am I to be charging money, right? Like that was one of my huge challenges was, I didn't wanna, I, I don't wanna make money off of people's pain. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was, well, who, who am I that like they would pay me to, to talk to me, right? What do I have to offer? Um, so there was that kind of whole value discrepancy between what I was doing and what I was giving people versus my own internal sense of, of value. Yeah. That imposter syndrome, I feel like runs deep in a lot of people and it's, it's hard. It is, it is. I remember after I went through all my, um, all my coach training and I didn't have to be certified yet. I just had to be trained and I graduated from that program and I, I had a coach and I said to my coach, I said, yes, so, so what if I graduated? And it wasn't like there was a ceremony. There was like nothing, right? It was just like you graduated. And um, I remember saying to her, so what now I just call myself a coach? And she was like, yeah. And I'm like, well, that doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah. Right? And she's like, I'm like, really? I just call myself a coach. And she's like, yeah, that's why you've done all this work. And 
so that was another thing was like, this just doesn't seem like, I don't know. I thought there was supposed to be, you know, bright lights and confetti and I don't know, some initiation or something, right? Right. Um, in order to feel valid. And the only way I overcame that whole, like, feeling like an imposter, like, who am I to charge money for this service? Who am I to help people, right? And to get over that imposter syndrome was to just do it. So I put myself out there. I had a great support system. I had great friends. Well, I still have great friends um, that really pushed me. And they were like, hey, I've got someone who really needs your help. And so I would like lowball the pricing for the coaching and everything just to get in the door and mm -hmm. get some experience and build up that confidence. And what I came to realize was that imposter syndrome, it's actually a really good thing because it means that we're doing something different. It means that we're taking chances. It means we're going outside our comfort zone. It means that we're growing. And if you're not feeling like that, then you're really not pushing yourself. You're not challenging yourself. You're probably a little bit bored, honestly, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so instead of saying, I'm like, oh, I feel this imposter syndrome, um, I'm gonna be found out. It's, well, yeah, I feel like an imposter and that's a good thing. But you know, that's the self-talk that we have to kind of switch to so that we can change our mindset around it. And when you do that, in addition to taking action, like actually coaching people, um, that kind of constant ache of self-doubt that we feel, um, mm -hmm. it dissipates. It dissipates. It doesn't go away completely. Because if it did, that means we have everything in the world nailed and, you know, we got, we got nothing else to do. There's no, no place for us to grow anymore. <laughs> right. There's always room for growth. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So with your, with the coaching business, tell me a little bit more about like your mission behind it today. Um, as it's kind of, I think, grown into something more than what it, what it was when you first started. Yeah. My mission today is, um, I still work with the ADHD population. They will always, always, always be the heart of what I do. Um, but I always say, you don't have to have ADHD to coach with me. <laughs> you don't have to have a diagnosis to coach with me. You just have to have a willingness to try different things and to do the inner work that's needed to do whatever it is that you want to do in your life. So I, you know, I started out working with a lot of parents and families and um, like high school students and things. And then I got into like the college sector, which I love working with college students. Oh my God, like when they show up to coaching, they're not there because mom and dad tell them to be there. They're there because they need to be there and they know they need to be there and they want to be there. Um, and then, you know, I realized there are so many, and, and I don't want to just say women to exclude men, but, but women experience self-doubt and imposter syndrome so much different than men do. Mm -hmm. And they all need support around it. But I'm really passionate about working with, with professional women to help them be able to lead at home and at work more confidently. Because the constant pull of, I'm here and I'm worrying about work. And when I'm at work, I'm worrying about home and feeling like you're not enough and just waiting, you're, you're waiting for somebody to figure out that you messed up, right? 
And so if, if I can help women and, and so many women who are in big leadership positions, they're walking around with imposter syndrome, right? They're just really good at hiding it. You know, the whole fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. right? Fake it till you make it. It works. It, it works to get us into action, right? Which is what we need to do to overcome it. Yep. It doesn't work for longevity, right? So like if you're faking it till you make it for years and years and years, right? That's, that, that's not going to work. People can, I don't know. Have you ever, um, have you ever met somebody who's like really, truly confident, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like, oh my God, it just like oozes out of them. Yes. Right. You can't fake that. No, you can't. Like, that's the kind of confidence that you're like, wow, like I want, give me some of that. Give me some of that. Right. Right, Exactly. Yeah. So that's, um, I, 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 I got into this whole confidence self doubt thing because as I was coaching my clients, ADHD or not, one of the biggest things that we work on is that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. and their self-doubt. And I was like, wow, I think I really need to make this kind of the underlying theme of my business, like the foundation, because if you don't have the foundation of, of, of confidence or the skill to know how to build that confidence, everything else is so much more, more difficult for you. Yeah. So. Well, and I love, I love that more people are talking about this imposter syndrome in general, because we all have it. We all struggle with it. Um, we all have self, self-doubt in general. Um, but for a while, I feel like when I left corporate world and was like looking at changing, pivoting my life, there wasn't a lot of people talking about that. So I just thought, man, these people all have their life together. They all are confident. Um, and like little did I know there was so much more going on. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you bring that up because um, I'm creating a digital course right now that I'm going to be launching in the next couple months, hopefully sooner. Um, and it's called Undaunted, The Art of Taking Action, Even If You Doubt Yourself. And when I'm talking about it to my friends, because they're like, what are you so busy doing? And I'm like, I'm creating, I'm creating, I'm marketing, I'm doing all this stuff. And they're like, wait a minute, I, I want to beta test that because, oh my gosh, I, I, I've, I've, suffered from imposter syndrome my entire life. Like one of my friends, I've known her since fifth grade. She's had like six different careers. She socially, she's, she's always been out there. She seems like the most confident person in the world. And I'm good friends with her, like since fifth grade, like decades of friendship here. Right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Imposter syndrome. What are you talking about? You doubt yourself. What are you talking about? You don't have confidence. Right. And and I know her like super, super well. And so it just goes to show that we don't talk about it. There's a lot of shame around imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And we feel like, well, we can't talk about this. And it's like, we need to start talking about this. And yeah. it's kind of like ADHD. There was a lot of, there's always a lot of shame around ADHD. So people never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And still a lot of people in the workplace, they don't talk about their ADHD because they're afraid they'll be discriminated against or held back in, in their career. So they don't talk about it. And I actually tell them not to um, <laughs> because I, 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 I've seen bad things happen. But as far as imposter syndrome goes, it's another thing that as professionals, and if, if you're in a, the corporate world or you're working for a small business or you're working for a nonprofit or 
whatever you're doing to be able to step up and say, you know what, I just don't feel confident in my skills right now, or I don't feel confident talking to senior leadership. The minute you do that, you feel like, wow, I really just took a risk. And now I'm not going to get the same opportunities. Whereas if there was this feeling of being safe and being able to say what's really going on for us, you know, companies can get support for their employees who are suffering from imposter syndrome, like in a very kind of paralyzing way. And what companies have to realize is if you foster that kind of safe environment and you get your employees that support, their productivity is going to go through the roof. Their, their innovation, their idea creation, it's going to go through the roof. Their ability to, to speak up and to problem solve, it's all going to improve, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. It's a shame. Oh my gosh, I 100% agree with that. Like if we, if we were more open, people would be more expressive. People would share their ideas more instead of kind of slouch down in the chair and just keep those ideas to themselves. 100%. Mm -hmm. So let's backtrack a little bit. So you used to work in the corporate world and you pivoted out. So what was that like monumental moment or reason why you made that big change? You know, it's like, it's not as monumental as you might hope it would be, Jen, right? Because I had this kind of gap that happened to me. And while I knew I wasn't happy in the corporate world, um, I needed a different a purpose to pull me out of it. Mm -hmm. And that purpose was, so I worked for several corporations and I ended up landing my dream job at my dream company at McDonald's Corporation in Oak Brook. Love, love, love the people, love the company. My husband's still there 25 years later, right? So this isn't about McDonald's or any company in particular. But the entire time I was there, I always felt like, does it really matter what I'm doing? <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything that actually matters. Like this presentation, it doesn't matter. And I would sit there and do a presentation to a group of people and think, surely there's like three other people in this room who know this better than I do. Why am I presenting this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm being set up to fail, which is not the truth, right? That's just my interpretation of the situation, right? And I was really, really stressed out. So I got pregnant with our oldest daughter and I went back to work afterwards. And when I went back to work, I would be at work and I'd be worrying about her because she was premature. So she had medical stuff um, that we had to deal with afterwards. And um, I, when, then, when I was at home, right? I was like worrying about work. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough at work and da, 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 da. And then I'm having these sleepless nights with her and I'm going into work and I'm like, I can't even stay awake during these meetings. And like, it was just this whole, like, it wasn't even a push and pull. It was just pull, 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 pull. And I just felt like I was being unraveled. Mm -hmm. And so then I got pregnant with our second daughter and I looked at my husband and I said, I can't do this anymore. Right. I just, I, I can't do this. Something has to give. And he was, you know, working his way up the, the corporate ladder. And I was, I don't know what I was trying to do. I was just trying to survive. Like I was trying not to sink. <laughs> right. And I said, I just really think like you need to focus on doing all that like 
corporate stuff, do your job, do it really well, whatever you have to do, like I 100% support you, I gotta get out. Like, I just gotta get out. And so I ended up leaving and I, I left on very good terms because it turned into several consulting jobs over the years after I left. Mm-hmm. And I loved the consulting jobs because I didn't have to deal with any of the corporate politics or anything. It was like, just do your job and do a great job. And at the end of the day, I didn't have any stress about it. Right. So, and just a note, my second daughter who I worked up until she was born, she was also premature. Okay. So I'm like working the consulting stuff and everything. Right. And then I get pregnant with my third daughter. You know, with that, as I was, you know, at home and doing the consulting and everything, and then my daughter got diagnosed, that's when the big pivot came, right? Where I was like, I can't, I don't have time to do this consulting stuff. It was like a full-time job supporting my daughter um, and my other two daughters. And uh, it, it was shocking when I became a business owner because I didn't realize how many different hats I would have to wear, <laughs> right? Yes. 100%. So that, that's the, that's the, that's the, it was, it was kind of a long pivot, right? But I always knew I didn't want to go back. Like, do I, do I love working with, with corporations, like in, in a coaching capacity, in a consulting capacity? Love it. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to work for them as an employee. I love being my own boss. I like being in charge of saying yes to the things that I want to say yes to and saying no to the things that I, I just don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has, it's, you know, those are the perks. Um, but if you were to ask me, what's the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur, I would have to say it's the loneliness. Um, when you're a solopreneur, it gets lonely. Mm-hmm. And you don't have, like I'm used to, you know, in the corporate world, I always had a team of people and you had people to go to lunch with and you could collaborate and bounce your ideas off of people. And um, you just don't have that when you're a solopreneur, unless you build your business in that way where you have, you know, 20 people next to you um, working alongside you. And um, so I've had to really make a conscious effort to build up a network of people like you. Um, and other coaches, right, that get what I'm doing, right? And we support each other and we get on Zoom calls together. And this was before it was even COVID, right? I take online training classes where I meet like-minded people who want to improve their coaching skills and expand their knowledge and impact and all that stuff. And I I have to say over the years, I've I've created quite quite a great network of, um, of colleagues who have become great friends. And some of them I've never even met in person, right? Isn't that the coolest thing? It, it really is cool. And I would agree, like doing things on your own, they do, it gets lonely. I, I used to work in corporate world too, and I met some amazing friends and I love the people. Um, it just wasn't for me either. And, um, but yeah, it can, trying to bounce ideas off people, it can be hard sometimes um, if you don't have like the right people in place to, or friends, I guess, and colleagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I you talk- totally agree. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about like you had a really good support system, whether that was family and friends when you were doing the coaching. Um, did you have any critics that were that made you kind of question what you were doing outside of like your own personal critic? Um. 
I don't know that I would call them critics. I think they were confused, right? Like, I think like, like the whole coaching industry, for example, right? Like, I mean, back when it started way back when, I mean, it's been around since what, like the 1980s or even before then. Yeah. Right. I think it was always seen as like a woo woo kind of a thing. And, oh, you're like a fake therapist or right. There were all these kind of like misconceptions about what a coach is. And, um, so, you know, mostly like with family members who are, who are a little bit older and older generation than me, they like don't get it, right? Like, well, what is this coaching thing? Like, what do you do? Like, how does it work? And maybe it's because maybe I don't do a good enough job of explaining it, but I also feel like they're, they haven't really asked either, right? So at first I kind of took that like as, oh, they're being a critic because they're not outwardly supporting me. Mm -hmm. But I just think they were afraid, they're afraid to ask, right? Um, and, and I'm not one to like walk around and toot my own horn or anything like that. I'm like, oh, I got another client. Oh, da, 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 da. you know, I just don't do that. Like if you ask, I'll tell you about it. Um, so I think I, I wouldn't call them critics. I think they are just people who don't understand it. And like they like aren't doing it like to be hurtful or to shut me down or anything like that. So, okay. That's good to hear. Um, and I think we, when people don't ask questions or um, when people maybe don't fully understand what you're doing, it makes it harder to, to explain it. And sometimes people just aren't ready to fully understand it, if that makes sense. Like they need the time. That is such a, that's such care. a great point. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great point, Jen, that they're just not ready for it, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's like, you know, I, I look at some people, you know what, they really weren't ready for a smartphone. Like they should have just stuck with the flip phone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've always gone with the whole, and I, I'm assuming this is like the Navy or some part of the military was, I heard a long time ago that you you always save the people that are swimming towards you. You can't save everybody, you can't help everybody, but you can explain and help the people who are swimming towards you. So that's always been my like goal. If you're not swimming towards me and you don't get it, it just means that it might take a little bit more time or maybe we're just on different paths and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I do think like the energy we put out there is like, you know, what we get back, you know, we attract, you know, we attract the people that are, are we're, we're meant to serve. Yeah. And sometimes it is a timing thing. I had a, um, a client call me yesterday. Well, he wasn't a client, but he, he's called me up. He's like, do you remember me? And I'm like, well, no. When did I talk to you last? And he's like, oh, it's been several years. And I'm like, okay, well, I've talked to a lot of people over several years. Help me remember. And it turns out it's been four years since he called me last for coaching. And he's like, I think I'm ready now. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm like, that's so cool, right? Like, that's so cool. Now you're ready. He wasn't ready at that time. And that's like a learning too, as a coach and as a business owner is, you know, I, I have a mantra and my mantra is not about me, right? So one of my clients actually has an, an, one of those, my intent bracelets that says <laughs> NAM, not about me on it. And what that means is that like when somebody's not ready to sign up with you, not ready to do your course, not ready to, it's not 
a rejection of you, right? It's not about you. It's not about me, right? right? It's about them. It's about where they're at. It's about what they're ready for. And that's one of the things that, number one, I've used to kind of get over that, like, oh my gosh, I've been rejected. That client, that person didn't hire me, right? Or they didn't buy this or whatever. It's not about me. It's about them. And I've also used it to help when that imposter syndrome kicks in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't about my fear. This isn't about me. This is about me serving people. Focus on the people. Focus mm-hmm. on the people that you can help and stop focusing on yourself. It's, it's not about me. Um, and so that's my mantra that gets me through the tough moments. So I just thought I'd share that. Maybe that could help somebody. <laughs> yeah. And that's huge. I feel like when you finally understand that it's not about you, like if you don't take things personal, um, life, life becomes a little bit easier. I totally agree. So awesome. What has been the most challenging so far, do you think, becoming a coach? I would definitely say the imposter syndrome. And that's why I'm really, really passionate about the course I'm creating and the coaching that I'm doing. But I think the hardest thing, aside from the loneliness, is having to be everything in my business, right? Having to set up the billing for my clients, having to do the marketing, having like, okay, I just want to coach and talk to people. Like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And all this other stuff is like, I don't want to do my taxes. I don't want to keep track of my expenses. I don't, I don't want to do the administrative stuff. Um, And the tech stuff, oh my gosh, the tech stuff is enough to blow your mind. Get a website up, do this, find a scheduling system, right? All that stuff that takes so much time that people don't see and you don't get paid for it, right? You don't get paid for the time that you do this stuff. Um, So I think that's been one of the biggest challenges. And I think the biggest challenge for me going forward is figuring out where I can delegate, where I can let go of some of this stuff and hire somebody, right? Who can do it better than me? Because I know there's like a thousand people out there who can do some of this stuff way better than I can. I want to focus on what I'm good at and, and, and that's the, the, the coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's probably been the biggest struggle. What's been the most rewarding part of it all? The most rewarding, you know, the most rewarding is when I, I hear back from a client that I haven't heard from in a couple of years. And they're like, oh my God, the coaching that I did with you has changed my life. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? Right? Like I had a client call me the other day and when I coached her, she was just out of college living with her dad. Um, and she was doing like mission work and she had to like ask people for money and all this stuff. So that was like a lot of what we worked on with the coaching. And by the time we were done coaching, she had moved out of her dad's house like moved four hours away kind of a thing, became very independent. She got a dog, which was like the greatest thing for her ADHD because it gave her structure to get up in the morning and all that good stuff. And she's now married and pregnant, right? And she's like, Carlene, I'm so scared about like being a new mom and with my ADHD and da, 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 da. I'm like, you got this, you got this, you're okay. Like, and if you're not like, just call me 
we'll, we'll work on it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but if I wouldn't have coached with you, she says, I wouldn't be independent. She goes, I probably never would have met my husband. And she's like, and there's no way I would be as excited as I am to be a mom, even though I'm scared. She goes, you taught me that like, I can do anything. And she goes, and I actually believe it. <laughs> and I'm like, alrighty. So those are the most rewarding moments is when I hear back from somebody because sometimes the impact of coaching, we don't realize it for a while, right? Like we're all about that kind of instant gratification. But in coaching, sometimes it comes the, those ahas or the impact is, is apparent years down the road. And that's what's most rewarding is that I'm not even working with the person anymore. And the impact of, of, of the work that, that we did together is still there. That, like you can't beat that. That's amazing. I love that story. And good for her. Like now she's, she's doing something that even though it's scary is really exciting for her. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Do you have any like recommendations of other podcasts or books? Well, of course, you know, it sounds so cliche, but I mean, my gosh, I have to say Brene Brown for a podcast, right? And yeah. you have to read all her books. Um, but the one book that I really, really, really loved, um, and my daughter loved it too, is The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Oh my gosh, if you haven't read it, like go I read haven't. it. It is like, she is hilarious. Like, first of all, like, I mean, yeah, the work I do, it's very serious and inner work and deep stuff and everything. But man, I, I want to have a good time when I'm doing it, right? And she has a good time in her book. Like, it is so funny in there. And I don't know if she says that she has ADHD in the book, so I don't want to like misspeak. But I believe reading it thinking, I think she has ADHD. But, um, and that's what makes it so cool is she's so like neurodiverse. um, And the things that she's been able to do in her life is like incredible. So um, she's just an inspiration period, just the way that she lives her life. Now that Mm -hmm. she gave ABC the boot and is on Netflix, like, I'm like, you go, girl. So if you don't know that story, look it up. But um, I won't waste the podcast time <laughs> telling the Shonda Rhyme story. But um, definitely The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhyme is my favorite. Okay. I'll have to take a look. I honestly haven't, I haven't even looked into that book before. So I have a whole list of like books. And I do a lot of audiobooks because I do struggle with a little bit of like ADHD tendencies of needing to move while I like listen and things like that. So, um, so I have to listen to that on audio. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a listen. It's you'll, you'll love it. And you'll walk away like laughing and being like, you know, what it's really about is I was like the year of yes, aren't we always taught to say no? Like that's this whole push, right? Like you need to have boundaries and say no to everything. And I really, really think what her book is about, it's about saying yes to saying no. (laughs) Right. So, Yeah, a little twist there. Very cool. How would you de- define success? For me, success is a very internal thing. I don't define success as a dollar amount or a milestone even that's been reached. For me, success is a feeling. Um, it's, it's, it's a knowing. It's, it's, it's a knowing that when I wake up every day, I'm I'm doing something that matters. That's how I define my success. Um, And I just know for so many people who I've coached, they've been looking for 
you know, that, that material thing, that money, um, they've been looking for that external validation from other people, right, to, to build their self-esteem. And I define success really as self-compassion. That's what it really boils down to. It's like giving yourself grace to try and fail, right? Because with every failure, we learn, and there's no bad decision out there. So to me, success is staying in action, um, staying true to your values, and waking up every day, like knowing in your bones, like knowing in your bones that what you do matters. Perfect. I love it. it and one, one last question that I haven't sent you either is, if you could tell your younger self one thing, what would that be? I don't know. Man, like get over yourself, right? Like the whole, like it's just not that hard. Mm -hmm. It's just not that hard. We make everything so hard. And I just wish I could tell myself, my younger self, like, like you're okay, you're safe. Like nothing's forever. And if there, there was one piece of advice I could give my younger self is that you can always make a new decision. And I tell, I tell my, my, my kids that, I, I tell my clients that um, because it keeps us stalled in life. And I was also kind of raised with, well, when you make a decision, when you make a commitment to go to college, you stay in that college. When you make a decision to go to a job, you stay at that job. And I was like, oh my God, these are like lifelong decisions. Like, I, I can't even make a decision like this, right? right? But I would tell my younger self, like, it's okay. Make a decision. See what happens. See what you learn. If it turns out the decision doesn't serve you anymore, make a new one. That would be the advice I would give my younger self. I love it. Anything else you want to share? Or do you want to share the link you have for the, oh, for yeah. the freebie? Yeah, thanks, Jen. Um, so for, for your listeners out there, I just want to invite you guys to um, go grab my free guide on building confidence. It's called The Habit of Self-Doubt, Crush It and Build Real Confidence. And at the end of it, I give you an exercise to do to actually help you figure out what is bigger and more important than your fear so that you can start taking action, right? So that you can make it, you know, use the mantra, not about me. I want you to find that other thing that it is about so that you can take action. So that's an exercise at the, at the, at the end of the, the book or the end of the guide. Um, and you can find it at welcome.coachcarlene.com forward slash guide. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. So Jen's got that in the show notes because my name, it could be misspelled. It can be spelled very many ways is what I've learned over the years. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want you guys to find your guide. So go in and um, grab your, grab your free guide there. And hopefully it'll give you guys some insight. And um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed being here, Jen. Perfect. Yeah, same. Do you have, are you on social media, like on Facebook or Instagram? What's the best place to follow you at? Yeah, on Instagram, I'm at Coach Carlene. So that's obviously at the coach and then Carlene is C-A-R-L-E-N-E. -E. So I don't know if you put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, and then my Facebook page is Coach Carlene also. 
Um, so you guys can connect with me out there. And if you opt in for the guide, you'll be on my email list. And if you decide you don't want to be on my email list, you can just unsubscribe. Remember, I'm okay if you unsubscribe. I don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> but give the guide a chance, right? Go yeah. sign up for it. Absolutely. Any last words you want to leave the listeners with? Um, you know, I think... I just wanted to say to people, like, give yourself permission to try new things. If it means a pivoting in your career and doing something that's scary, do it. Do it. The, the only regrets we, we have in life when you, when you ask, I don't know, they did a survey of people, of like el el elderly people in like a nursing home. And they said, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give people? And what they all said was, I wouldn't worry so much. I would stop worrying worrying about what other people think, worrying about failing, worrying about not getting it right, worrying, worrying about everything, right? Worrying about that if this happens, then my life is gonna end and that's not gonna happen. That's catastrophic thinking, that's what we do, right? But my advice, I guess that's, that's my advice. I'm actually gonna steal that because those people have a lot of wisdom, right? And I, my advice would be stop worrying and go do that thing that you want to do. Just go do it, right? Which I know sounds simple, but really stop worrying and go do it. <laughs> yes, I love it. Thank you so much for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jen. Thank you so much for listening through another episode of Jamming with Jen. If you liked the episode, definitely share it out with a friend. And if you're looking to connect with me more, follow me on Instagram. The handle is Jammin' with Jen Podcast, or you can always head over to the website at jenforsner.com. Thank you so much again and have a great day.